But yeah, Emilio asked if I wouldn't mind doing the radio thing, and I, I, my 2020 thing is to not say no to things. Yeah. And so, oh, okay. Oh wow, that's, that's a good. <laughs> Hence why he's here. Yeah. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> Damn, I wish we got that. Yeah. All right, this will be good. Well, um, what's up? Are we starting? We're good. We're going. Right. I guess we're going. Uh, hello, everybody. How are you? Uh, welcome back to the show, Last Exit of Brooklyn. I'm, my name's Tom McCaffrey. I'm here with uh, Eric Bronstein. Yeah. yeah, Alex Pichero. Hey, guys. We have a guest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to spoil it. Um, it's Kristen Finnegan. Thank you so much for being here. Why, thank you, fellas. Um, all right, cool. That was good. We'll wrap it up. We run a tight ship here. <laughs> um so I feel like we're on American Idol. Like we're it is, yeah, it's strange that we're all faced in the same direction right now. These are very good audio bits because <laughs> yeah. um, we're all facing the same way to um, the yeah. producer. So uh, let's get right into it. I, uh, so we met, uh, I think it was around 2002. Um, Pro- yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Probably around, have to check your diary. Then, uh, yeah, when you were definitely, were you blonde then or you weren't blonde quite yet? Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, I was in and out of yeah, blonde. I yeah. still kind of am. Yeah. Um, I had been living in L.A. for two years. I'd started comedy there, and then I moved back here. Oh then... yeah, I think I think I always had thought of you as an L.A. comic, and then yeah. I was surprised when I found out that you were from here. Yeah, I think that there was a lot of that going around. But then um, I met you at this place, the Parkside Lounge, Indeed. which was like a an op- they had an open mic there. That was actually like a really good show called The Trainwreck with Joey Gay. And Joey Gay and uh, Damian. Damian San Marco. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and. Um, it was, pa- and I remember uh, when I would first go there. Ed Helms, like like good people came out of there. Yeah, stuff. for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean there was you know uh, a lot of noteworthy people kind of passing through at the time. Yeah, I, I knew Ed a little bit. We uh, when I around that time I was in a sketch group, or before not actually I think I'd stopped by then. But in Ed Helms was in a a rival sketch group, Uh-oh. and so I, I knew him from uh, from from that world. That would and explain then, all the fights you guys used to get into at the Parkside, <laughs> all those stabbings. Actually, I just saw someone who was uh, you you were in it. Was it Bob uh, Jurgens? Jurgens, Bob Jurgens, and, and uh, John, John Corbett. Corbett. Yes, yeah, I just uh, saw not Bob the Jurgens. Sex and the City John Corbett, a different John Corbett. Um, Right, he, uh, John. This John Corbett is J O N, right? Yes, actually, yes. yes. Uh, and where did you see uh, Bob Jurgens? I saw him at John Viner's house. Oh, John Viner yeah. uh, has an apartment right down the street from me. But I mean, he, I mean, he's usually in L.A. He's the guy we had on, who was the Family Guy producer. Oh yeah, he was great. He was on the show, yeah, about two months ago. Um, yeah. So I saw him there, and I met Bob Jurgens. I hadn't seen Bob Jurgens since that time, like Surf Reality. And yeah. Then, um, yeah. He, uh, I, th- I think I, I, you know, you hear things. Uh, we were friends, you know, we're still friendly, certainly. If I bumped into him on the street, we'd have a nice conversation. But uh, I, I think I heard he went QAnon. on. Oh, oh, really? Wow. I think so. Or like so, one of those conspiracies. I don't know, like maybe Pizzagate or something. I think there was some of that going. There was some of that discussed, actually. <laughs> a lot of comedians were lost. Where John Viner was like, yeah, don't yeah. bring it up. Don't talk about it. He's like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then he told me that he said that you guys had done a sketch that, uh, that um, P.T. Anderson stole. Do you remember that? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> he said that the Tom Cruise character in Magnolia that you oh, guys had done a sketch uh, like that. I, yes, I, I don't. Do you remember think that? I, I don't think I could accuse anyone of stealing it. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, we 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 did a sketch about like a like a pickup artist class essentially. Yeah. Uh, which you know, but before uh, mystery was that oh, his name? God. Yes. Uh, right before it <laughs> before was before guy, mystery. Right? It was pre mystery. We were ahead of the curve. Um, so yes, I, I don't think P.T. Anderson. And happened to swing by <laughs> yeah. Catch Rising Star. The well, one. he said he was very <laughs> insistent that there were like lines specifically from uh, you, you guys sketch. It's possible. I mean, no, that's kind of. I'm going to say said. it's not possible. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I'm not a, you know, I am an anti-believer in conspiracy theories. Mm. Uh, not, not because I think that people aren't evil. I certainly think people have, are evil, but I just think that <laughs> conspiracy theories. They give people too much credit. Like, mm, yeah. m- you know, what's the what's the principle that like never blame something that could be blamed on stupidity or incompetence? Oh, like, um, uh, oh, 
It's not it's Occam's some, Razor. Yeah, it's, not, it's, it's somebody related. else's razor. No, Occam's Razor is oh, whatever the simplest else. explanation uh, right, is. Right. But it's Which somebody else's razor. Actually can, you could apply Occam's Razor to conspiracy yes. theories and come to the, like, the same conclusion. Yes, you probably could. Yeah. But you know, in terms of, of theft, you know, like joke stealing and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I mean, sometimes if it's a straight up like angle or like a line that's just so idiosyncratic mm-hmm. but i think a lot of times it's just people overestimate how original their thoughts are yes yeah. you know yeah i'm the yeah. only one who could have had this amazing take on forks <laughs> no one else yeah. could possibly who's gonna build the wall yeah yeah the, exactly. the wall to mexico yeah. <laughs> um right yeah that Do you remember was, that was jesse big... joyce and i used to refer to something called the hack pot which oh. is when you could confer, like combine multiple hack premises at once, like <laughs> or or something that just like a joke so obvious that like ten comics in the same week would come up with it, and like right. that that wall one is a perfect example. Oh, yeah. and, and it was I, you know, I had a joke. I mean, I'm not proud to admit this, but I had a joke about the Valtrex commercials early on, you uh-huh. know, about like them canoeing and stuff. And didn't you steal that from PT Anderson? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After I, he actually made it. He's making an entire movie around that joke. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was very early on, you know, that was a pretty right. easy target. And, you know, I guess a lot of people had joke, even though everyone was like, everyone has a joke like that. I, I think I saw someone do that once. But then after like shows, people would be like, yeah, you stole that from me. And I was like, no, no that's like a pretty not, common yeah, it's not. thing. So I stopped doing it because crazy people started like. Uh, Sometimes I, I, I overthink that or whatever. You know, it's it's I had a bit that I was kind of excited not excited about but i was kind of happy with about sex robots Mm -hmm. but it's the kind of thing where it's very in the ether right now Mm -hmm. like like whitney cummings has a long bit on her latest special Mm -hmm. about sex robots Mm -hmm. bill burr has one on his special about sex robots and even though the angle that i have is different right it's just like okay is this just just too corny like is it just too done of a premise well also once once people that big start doing it i feel like it's almost ruined for everybody else a little bit yeah yeah because it's then they're like well you know you can have a totally different angle but i i once had a joke about tossing salad i don't know if you ever heard me do that joke and Mm -hmm. it's nothing so. like it's not my Rocks, first album. Yeah, it's yeah. nothing like it's a completely different angle. But I mean, you're I, literally was, talking about salad. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even sexual at all. I literally bring a salad on stage <laughs> and start tossing yeah, it. You used to be a well, that was a Gallagher ripoff. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm going to fruit. I have salad. It's, I think you actually work very hard though to be very original on stage. I I, mean, you know, I try. I, think you're I mean, I, more I think, more aware than a lot of people are. You yeah, know? I mean, I, I don't want to wonder. And mm. I and and my and my thinking is is if people in the audience are wondering whether they've heard it before, you've already lost. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Even if even if your take is is completely original, it, once people are not in it with you, once they're kind of thinking with the sort of outside brains of like, I think like I heard this before. Mm. It's mm. just why why keep it? Just just get rid of it. You yeah. know. Right. Right. Um, yeah. That's that's a good uh, that's a good motto to have because a lot of people don't do that, and you can kind of tell sometimes when you think of something, you're like, this is a little too. I came up with a joke recently, and I was like, someone has to have done that, and then they were like, yeah, someone did that. <laughs> but yeah. it was like someone I'd never seen, never. But it was like you know, obviously you can just come up with the jo- the same joke. Of course, yeah. There's parallel thinking. Of course, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, everyone has their own definition of of hack. Right. My definition is like if i heard somebody else tell this joke would i laugh at it you, huh. you know what i mean and and also like um shit now i forgot what i was gonna say i i, I so amazed myself with my insight <laughs> you know, um yeah and also it's like leaning on and i guess it's kind of uh related leaning on to what you know will work as opposed to what you actually think is funny, because sometimes right. you'll you'll come up with something like, "Oh, that'll work." Yeah, because you know the math of it works. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, oh, if I set it up like this, I'll do a misdirect and I'll say the opposite of what I think, and right. and that will be an effective joke, and people will elicit the desired reaction of laughter. <laughs> you, you know what right. I mean? Like, um, and I think it's good to have those just kind of in your back pocket for I'm like, like yeah. a, like a really shitty gig where you're like, I know this will like get me out of this. One, well, I, I think hole. that you know, ideally, the joke, all of your jokes jokes should work but they should also make you laugh (laughs) you know what i mean that it's like they should all work but sometimes you'll get stuck on a joke that just works even though you don't really think it's that funny you know and i think that's the kind of thing to you know yeah yeah i mean not not necessarily you're not always going to find your shit funny but like i think you should always be able to remind yourself like when i first thought of this Mm -hmm. did i find this funny you know because obviously once you've done a joke 50 times you know it's not that funny to you anymore yeah yeah i don't know 
I think I, as uh, someone who's like pretty like way newer than all you guys into comedy, having those back pocket like kind of hack premises is like survival mode for me. Oh sure. And so I don't know if I'm like learning to do stand up the wrong way, but I definitely catch myself going feeling bad about a good set or quote unquote good set if I use too many of those. Yeah. Or, you know, or if it, like a premise that I could guess the punchline if I heard it. Right. That's definitely hack. Like that would be my definition. Yeah. Hack, yeah. You know? And I have I have like one. Definitely, that's in my current rotation. I came up with the, I came up with a joke a couple weeks ago, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know about like I think it's like okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm sorry I even brought it up now. I have to tell it. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, you gotta um, put yourself into a corner. I <laughs> uh, yeah, that was my plan the whole time, <laughs> just yeah. to get you guys to listen to my jokes. <laughs> that's what this whole podcast well, there, is. Well, there's certain premises that you know, like the, the one I always bring up is like dating sites. You know, you see so many comics talking about right. that. That's why I don't like to do those. I jokes. do, I do jokes about that. Yeah, but I guess it's like, I mean, I, I love your Bumble joke though. I that's know. I think I yeah, I have like, joke. I think it's only like if you're gonna do a, like a, to- a certain topic, it has to be something that you're like, okay, well, this is a very good take on it. Right. Yeah, you, I mean? you have to go yeah. deep into mm-hmm. it yeah right sure. i don't know what sure. i do but i mean i i have one joke a bumble joke that people are like oh that's a people are very like yeah. complimentary yeah it works um, yeah. it's really good the joke that buzz. i what? buzz there's a lot of buzz around <laughs> that, that that's the punchline yeah. <laughs> basically yeah. um bumble. but so i so i want to get so basically when did you start did you start doing stand-up here in new yes, york city i started uh in 1997 or 98 i can't remember and did uh, you, you you studied acting right like in college when i went to when i originally went to college i went to a tiny little boutique school called new york university <laughs> and uh, <laughs> i went as an actor i've heard of that yeah it's, yeah. it's a, a little people mm-hmm. anyway um i went as an actor and then like in the middle of my sophomore year i quit that i'm not quit school but i left acting conservatory which studio were you in aren't there different I, studios? yes i was in uh what is now called uh i think it's just called atlantic theater company but i was in the practical aesthetics workshop uh, okay. Which was like David Mamet and William H Macy's thing. Wow, um, really? Did yeah, it's like their their technique that they had created together. So were like they... William H Macy was a teacher of mine first semester. Really? Wow. Yeah, like pre Fargo. Like he had been yeah. in some movies, but it was pre Fargo, so he wasn't like a name name yet. Right, and he was he he started out like kind of with Mamet, right? Yes, that, they, they were they like are, Chicago? Chicago guys. Right, and, right. Because uh, I remember he's in that movie House of Games. Yes. That's one of his earliest things that yeah. Mamet. Uh, he wrote. was a Mamet guy, and yeah. then he eventually started doing other stuff and why did you quit because it was um, you loved it i didn't like actors well, <laughs> yeah. and not so much i didn't like what the world of acting was you know you, the way nyu worked um is if you were in the conservatory acting program was monday wednesday friday you went to your acting school and then tuesday thursday you had your quote-unquote academics um and i found myself enjoying my tuesdays and thursdays more than my mondays <laughs> wednesdays and fridays right and um in a lot of in just a lot of a lot of people I knew in this a lot of the, and this is still true of like actor actors that I know it's like they could go a year without acting yeah. you know what I mean and, mm-hmm. and and when they do act they get they have to jump at any crappy play that they can get into and then I can't tell you how many times somebody's been like hey can you come see my play it kind of sucks but would you please just come see it yeah. you know it's like <laughs> it's awful like, I'll they, be there I don't yeah, I don't blame them but it's just like the, and so I I quit and I became I was a playwriting major Sort of, uh, I I was yeah I was a playwriting major, but then by the time I graduated, I was I was interning at the Village Voice, like uh, doing like nonfiction writing and crap like oh, that. Wow. And then after college, I worked in I did some non some sort of freelance journalism stuff and and worked at a publishing uh, I'm sorry a uh, literary agency. Um, and then I kind of missed performing, and so I kind of got into stand up just because it was a combination where right. it was like you're performing, but it's your stuff. And did some? How did that happen? Was someone like, "You should do that," or were you like, "I'm going to do that"? Because I'm always interested in how people finally make the leap to do stand up. Because it does seem like, I mean, when I talk to people, but also for me, it just it it took me years to finally. Because people were like, "You should," yeah. and I didn't. I was like, "I don't like that," you know, because I was young and I was like, "Yeah, that's that seems hard." Well, I for me, I hated stand up in college and high school and stuff because I was very black turtle necky. And uh, and I thought, you know, I'm I'm an artiste. Yeah. And um, when I look back, though, it was so clear that I wanted to do stand up. Like when Mm. I was a kid, I was obsessed with Steve Martin and SNL and and all that kind of stuff. Mm. 
And um, you were always standing up. I was constantly yeah. standing up. I, I just every so apartment obvious. I would paint a brick wall. Onto the, um, Getting out of chairs a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, sorry. it's um, but people it, with that with acting backgrounds usually can make that jump to stand up easier. I've seen that. Like I'm sure when you probably started, you probably weren't. You were probably better than a lot of people. Of your, in, your maybe I, I mean I don't know I, I I felt more natural being on stage I guess yeah. um but yeah I, I when I was working in in, in publishing I I wasn't I, my thoughts were you know like I'll work in publishing during the day and at night I'll write a novel and I'll be a writer and all that and then I found that I wasn't writing anything mm. and so I had basically no actual creative you know uh, outlet anymore and so Time Out New York had just come out it just started being published in new york and so i started just flipping through just going to stuff like i went to a few poetry slams I was like maybe that'll be my thing <laughs> and then i quickly realized yeah. definitely not yeah. um <laughs> and then i went to uh i saw the original ucb uh, it was on like uh, yeah was back, that when they were like on were like on 20 yeah a solo, but, or but, something but not even in their own theater they were at a place called solo arts group like on 26th or something yeah like yeah that. and uh and i just absolutely loved it and I bring the pain. The Chris Rock special came out around right, that right, time, yeah. and I and I really fell in love with that. And I I, I didn't know, I had a, I had such a negative connotation, negative impression of stand up. To me, mm. you know, I kind of became my young adult years were in the sort of stand up boom of the late '80s and early '90s, and it was all kind of like purple blazer with the sleeves pushed up <laughs> and you know kind of all style no substance and i didn't know anything about that you could do kind of quote unquote alt types right up. right um you know and and i i was a huge fan of the ben stiller show and yeah, yeah. uh and I then, love that. then when janine garofalo started doing stand-up and, and it was like i don't think that people fully appreciate what janine meant to a certain generation of comics even people who might not have loved her stand-up whatever but she was the first person i ever saw do stand-up who seemed like somebody i would actually hang out with and also mm. yeah and that that whole that whole alt style kind of she was like the first she was like a superstar who had the yeah. alt. she had her, like she, i love that she had her notebook because yes. that became like my thing i was yeah. like yeah that's cool she, and, and and to me and i've 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 asked this i've i've, I've said this to her and she kind of looked at me like i was you know had 10 eyes but um the thing that I always took from that, especially against the backdrop of what stand-up felt like at that period, is that the whole notes on stage thing, to me it was like a subconscious way of expressing what I'm saying is more important than the manner in which I'm saying it. Mm. That it's it's not all about like, here's my polished four minutes. That It, like, yeah, it, it made it genuine. It made it feel like there's a real human being talking to you. you know? Right. That's why I – when I – because I – I'm from here, and I did stand up for like six months before I went to LA. And I remember I, I moved there in like 2000, and I went I went to Largo. And you know, it's like I just started doing stand up. I didn't know what you know you don't know what you're doing. And I saw you know at Largo they had a music stand on stage. You probably did that show, right? Where you, no, I never. They did. had a place for you the comics to put their notes. <laughs> Not only did, it was it yeah. was basically like you had to bring notes. Yeah, there, there, so, there definitely were some alt shows, and there still are. Sometimes you do the sort of quote unquote alt shows or bar shows where if you if you're too polished, the audience kind yeah. of like revolts against Absolutely. it. Totally. Have yeah. you ever have you ever tried to pretend that you didn't have yes. a bit memorized yep. to make it look more <laughs> alty? Loser, like, dude. oh, yeah. what was I gonna say? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, this bit I've done eight thousand times, <laughs> literally. <laughs> what yeah. was I gonna say? Watch me at Blackout on Valtrex. Friday. Valtrex, <laughs> me. No, so I and I and I loved that because I I was very. Um, not polished, you know what I mean? It's kind of my, the yeah. kind of how my my brain up, and I and I'm I'm very anti phoniness, so I always did hate that. Like, hey, you guys, like, right, like I did, right, exactly. I hated that. Like, what are you guys doing? Look at where you from? Oh, look at that. You ever do this? And you're just yeah. like, what? Like, right. so I love, and I also love that they weren't like trying <laughs> to talk. It was like about them, and like, and it was also like I love that it was like new stuff was encouraged a right, lot. That's right. why they weren't. That's why they had the notes because it was like. Um, well, I, I just wrote this, you know. Yeah, like, and, and you know, and it, it, it hasn't, you know. I think most people, when they, if they were to watch me now, would not see that really in what I do because I probably am more on the polished end of things. Um, but I never would have gotten into stand up, you know. And it's so funny because now I'm older and I can kind of acknowledge what a genius Brian Regan is. Mm -hmm. But yeah. when I was oh, younger. Yeah, yeah. He was like everything I didn't like about stand up, you know, um, back when he used to host like short attention span theater and mm -hmm. Comedy Central and he had the, like the mullet and stuff. And 
honestly, I didn't even know any of his bits. I just thought I was like, oh, that's what corny stand-up comedy mm. looks like. He just looked um, the part yes. so much. That's what it was. He I, looked like 1988. <laughs> he did. He, really he totally did. did. I mean, yeah, looking at those pictures now is, is a real trip. Like yeah. the pictures from the comedy boom, like the first comedy yeah. boom. It's interesting because I, I kind of think about like now – it feels like we're in some sort of other comedy boom or something, or at least like with the internet, there has been like podcasting and like all these new forms of media and stand up seems to be at like the forefront of that. So I, I get I a little know. nervous that I started stand up at the exact wrong time. There is no right, right yeah. or wrong okay. time. I think that's what it, I think it's, it, I think there's always going to be a grass is greener right. kind of it's a, attitude. It's, it's always the wrong time. It's always the wrong time. <laughs> right, yeah. That's true. It's like there's Truer never like a, never been said. there's twice. never a right time to start doing porn. <laughs> I feel like I started doing porn at the wrong time. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, I do remember. No, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. but I also think that I mean, you and especially you were two types of comedians that you came from. Maybe you were in the alt world, but you could also do clubs. And there was I didn't think there was always a lot of comics that could do that. You guys were definitely mm-hmm. yeah, two people yeah. that would Actually, do well in both. What you, know? you were what you were talking about, like the po- I feel like there's a fine line between being too polished and being too unprepared. That was a big right, problem exactly. in the alt scene. Some people I of felt course. like took it too far the other way of like would just get up there and be like, well, you know, I was thinking, like, you ever, like, go outside? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like, what? You know, you're like, that's not a bit yet. You well, know? It, it, and also it's like it, people would affect the unpreparedness as sort of a, as like, yes. a, like a pose, you know, um, mm. to, to, to cover up for their own insecurities, you know. And also the more unprepared you are, the more interesting your thoughts have to be. <laughs> you know, there's certain people, they're just fascinating, and I'll, li- I'll listen to them kind of work it out on stage because the way their brains work mm-hmm. is interesting to me. Mm. Yeah. But if you're not just an off-the-cuff, brilliant human being, write some fucking jokes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you... It, it, there's... And I feel like I always kind of... that Because at the time, I could still do clubs because I had jokes, but I was... I think the th- reason I liked alt is it was, it was very accepted... They loved it, the fact that you would go up and be like, oh, I just wrote this. Because I would always hear that. I think that's why they started to like me, you know, Uh, and that's why they liked people. They'd be like, Mm -hmm. I've never heard any of that. You never, and I'm like, no, I just kind of like came up with it. But I would never, you know, I don't. I never wanted to do badly. I don't like being in front of people when no one's liking it. So (laughs) I would go up with like ideas, you know what I mean? So, um, so I, I, I mean, I'm I'm 22, however, 22 years into this, and I still don't know if I'm an alt-leaning club comic or a clubby alt comic. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. When I was in the middle of that scene, I would uh, like I people would I would always hear grumblings of um, like I did this club once and. They were like, yeah, he just went in there and did all his alt stuff. Like the clubs would call me an alt comic, and then sometimes alt rooms would say I was like a club comic. Yeah, you know, so I kind of thought it was a compliment. I like, mean, it is in a sense that, like Eric was saying, is like I'm, I'm, I was always very proud that I could swim in both of those pools, but it made me. I was never the coolest in either. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I was, ne- I never felt like the belle of the ball in either. Of the, I still don't. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when you, all right. So when I met you, it was around when you. When you did that Chappelle show, um, the mm. the I Mad guess, yeah, Real I, World, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Was that two thousand three? I think yeah, two thousand three is when I think it actually came out. I think we shot it like the late fall of two thousand two. I think because mm. you had you know you had done like Premium Blend, yeah, right, and then um, you had that show at the Gershwin. Was yeah, that? portable comedy baby. It was a <laughs> youth hostel on, um, uh, in the garment district. But I remember it was like a it was like a popular show and it was like when I had first was getting into comedy like cuz I moved back to New York in like 2002. Yeah. And I had done comedy for a couple of years in LA but no one knew me here so it was like starting over which is kind of good because I kind of had some chops and it it was kind of good cuz I could tell I was a little better cuz people would be like so where where are you from? Yeah. Right, like after yeah, I would right, do a right, set right, like right. and that was the first the two questions I could tell I did well were um, wh- where are you from? How long have you been here? And another one was, how old are you? <laughs> yeah. Do I do I need to be uh, concerned about you? Like, like <laughs> yeah. Or are you somebody who's been doing this forever? And, like, <laughs> yeah. Like that was, and I, so I always took those as a compliment. So I'd be like, how old are you? And I'd be like, oh, um, tw- 20. Yeah. I, I, th- I think there's definitely pros and cons to, I mean, I started here. And you know whatever you can't redo history, mm. but there's definitely a, a a a pro to having kind of gotten your shittiness out of your system and mm-hmm. then showing up sort of fully formed. Yeah. But a, lo- a lot of comics, I'd be 
you can't move here too late. I know a lot of comics mm-hmm. that I totally respect from other places, and they move here too late because they're not able to just take the ball kicking oh, of that yeah, that's a good like point. eighteen months of people treating you like an open micer, even though you're like a road headliner. Right, yeah. that you know? is the hard. There's so many comics I I can think of, and I don't know why they left, but that are like real legit great comics, and they just can't they can't struggle for one set a week. Because oh, I'm a real I, comic and I can't handle. Yeah. I remember that I would I would know I would meet these comics who kind of were road comics and I would be like you know I was doing a lot of the alt rooms. They were kind of like I didn't do the alt. They weren't like cool when I started. You know you probably yeah. remember this. Like they, they a, a scene kind of like formed around it. It kind of yeah. became the thing. Um, well, and, and we were we were lucky in the sense you know this has been on my mind today because of Bloomberg. Uh, one of my main like personal gripes with Bloomberg is that he turned Manhattan into a pied a terre for foreign millionaires, uh, <laughs> yeah. and you know that everything is so balkanized now. You know when we were doing comedy in that period. A lot of the cool shows were within a ten-minute walk of each other. Mm. You know, right, you could right. go from Parkside to Rafifi mm-hmm. to you know Surf Reality, or you know, they were all generally clustered in the East Village and Lower East Side, and there'd be random ones here and there in other neighborhoods. But now, you know, there's the Brooklyn rooms, and mm. you know, obviously, my wife owns QED in Queens, and so I'm partial to it. <laughs> um, and by the way, because what we were actually talking about before, that's a room, the QED, which it's a great room. Um, that the crowd there is kind of a mix of alty, I think. And yeah, not, and I, 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 I think that's it's why a I like reflection it. of my wife and I for sure. Yeah. I mean, my wife, it's my wife's place, but obviously, my being a comedian. Do you get any I, spots there? It's, <laughs> it's hard. I don't actually. I don't. He's got to bring ten people much, oh, really? just because. First of all, everybody there knows me, and a lot of times I have to work there. Like my wife uh, had breast cancer a couple years ago, and oh, no. she had to be gone. She's fine now, oh, but. Good. um I was working, you know, helping while she wasn't able to be there, and mm-hmm. and still I I do I'm I'm there a lot, mm-hmm. and so it, it it's hard sometimes to then be like, hey, I know I was the guy that was carrying that case of beer down the stairs, but now <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's do watch me do comedy. It's like, hey, um, you guys ever been carrying beer down the <laughs> stairs before? No, I mean I do. Like I am next week. Actually, I'm running a new forty five there next week, but um, but I try to not perform there too much because mm-hmm. it's just. Is a lot of regulars, and I don't want to burn out on it. Um, so I, so you had the show at the Gershaw. I remember like getting on it, and it was like I remember you were actually very nice because you, you know, I mean, you would put out a, you know, an uh, an advertisement about whatever, an email blast about uh-huh. it, and um, you had my name on the line. It was kind of like you know, it was one of those things. It was like a good show to get on. Well, and, it, yeah, I think it, it had a, it had a it had a moment. You know, a lot yeah. of those shows. You know, and I'm sure you know you've booked shows. It just for about six months it was yeah. a hot show, yes. and then it just kind of pe- mm-hmm. petered off. It was kind of it was kind of lame ish, but okay. And then it got amazing, where it sold out every week. And then it kind of and then yeah. it was just time. It shows have a, a shelf life. It was like, like and, I, and I think Borelli was doing his show there at the same I, time. I took over. No, I took over his show. Oh, that's, okay, it was, that's uh, what it was. It was Patrick Borelli and then Julia Sharp, and I don't remember who had it first. Um, and yeah, but I took it over. I would never, I always hated the name portable comedy. But. And I remember you wrote something on the like invite that was like, because I was like pretty new to New York, and you wrote something like, oh, this guy's like new to New York, and he's like, he's like tearing it up lately. And I always was like, wow, that was really nice of, of you well, to do I, that. Thank were you, you. Were you tearing it up? Yeah, were you? Um, well, I, I, I was like, you know, I was new, it, it, and his I set was list, yes. <laughs> he was tearing it up. <laughs> I used to do this Pelosi impression. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was very prescient. I was oh, like, "You guys are gonna love this in about twenty years." Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was like I was getting, you know, I was at that phase, like I was probably at three years in, and yeah. I was, yeah. you know, I, I, three I thought years, I was which good. at the time felt like this is like I'm a professional. Uh, three years, I know what I mean, I'm doing. Um, is that how it's, how I'm supposed to feel? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you three, three years, years in now? Yep. Buckle yeah. up, approaching it. I probably feel less. Like I know what I'm doing now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, one hundred percent. I I if there's one thing that I miss, it's a sense of hubris. You know, a sense of everything's gonna work out and I yeah. got it all everything's you know, my Being ducks twenty eight is something else. Absolutely. It is amazing and I because I think 28 about twenty eight is always the number that I think of when I think of like if you're gonna be one age for the rest of your life, twenty eight. <laughs> That's a good age. I remember when I was twenty eight being like, Wow, this is a great age. because it was like 
you're not you're not old. You're not really young. You kind of have some you know experience under your belt. You're you're yeah. not about to be thirty. You're about to be twenty nine, right. which is still like oh, you're still twenty nine was a rough one. And maybe for me, it's because it's the year before I met my wife. Oh, really? <laughs> this is making me feel better. I just turned twenty eight in January. Oh, uh, three years in, I feel like we're well, describing me. These are your salad days. <laughs> Enjoy them. I'm gonna start tossing. Yeah. The worst part is you're gonna, the worst part is you're gonna look back on this moment right now as a good time. Oh yeah. no, I, yeah. I'm having a great time. No, honestly. no. Um, yeah. I have a question. Raise the bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I, you you probably heard, had a lot people ask you about the the, the Chappelle show uh, yeah. sketch. I mean, were we was that a big part? Like, were people always recognizing you for that for a while? Or it w- what the way it went down? It was huge. It was huge. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, it was really only like it was like 2005, 2006 where it started. It was when it came out on DVD. Yeah, that's when uh, it went nuts. Um, you know, because when when we uh, it was the Mad Real World sketch that I was in, and when we shot it, uh, it, the show hadn't been on the air yet. It was still in development. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. um, oh, okay. And so, I mean, I remember we had like a table read, um, you know, where all the actors sit around the table, and they and it, they were reading like three sketches. It was my it was my sketch. It was the Clayton Bigsby white supremacist sketch, yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember what the <laughs> third one was, but it was one of the ten the main, pole big yeah. sketches from that first right, season. Right, right. And I remember thinking like, this is hilarious, and it will never get on the air. Like, right. no, there's no no chance. Right. There's no chance. And so it all seemed kind of funny to me. Um, Your skit? You didn't think it would get well, on? No, the Clayton Bigsby one I didn't uh, think okay. would get on. But any of it. I just kind of thought, like, no. oh, this this show's going to get canceled <laughs> yeah. before it hits the air. There's no chance. You called that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And so it definitely, like, when it came out, it was a big deal and it was great. But it was a couple years when the DVD came out. That's when it was. I mean, there there was a time right around the time when I got married, like 2005, 2006, 2007, like that, those couple years where it was ten times a day. You know, oh, yeah. wow. like, couldn't well like that, people that, interrupting your meal? Just like I'd be arguing with my wife, and so we walk up. Kay's got some big ass titties, and like, right <laughs> away, and, you know. Honestly, um, I gotta say, it's up there as one of the funniest comedy sketches. Of oh, all I feel time. very, and I feel take. I, I feel like somebody who caught a home run ball. You know, like, I mean, I, you made it too, though. I, man. I, I was, you know, I didn't ruin it, but I, I take. Very little you personal response. It's also a really long <laughs> skit, right? Well, what's yeah. funny is that if it had been in season two, I think it would have been the whole episode because I saw the original cut. They cut a lot out. The original cut was like 23 minutes long. Oh, wow. And Jeez. then they cut it down and ended up being like 15 or something um, split into two two parts of the episode. But the way they did the Rick James thing where it was the right. entire episode, I think if the show had been a success already, they probably – because there's a – it was actually worked out well for me because a lot of the other roommates in the house had really funny bits – but they were cut out for time, but they couldn't really cut my stuff out because it was kind of the, the skeleton yeah, of the plot. Like the right, yeah. right. Yeah. But yeah, there was this one scene where that they cut out, and I, I gotta say it, or um, there was a one of the roommates is a woman named Chandra, and there was a scene where a guy the the door knocks, and I go. And I open the door, and it's this guy holding an infant, and he says, "Yo, tell Shonda to take a trifling ass baby back." And he hands me this baby, and so I'm just holding this infant, and and I'm like, "Shandra, I think this is your baby." And she's like, "I got to tie my shoes," and she just bolts. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't think that would fly so well in 2020. But, oh, oh yeah, man. yeah, I, nothing flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You a real infant? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, an hilarious. actual baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good follow. Are you, are you having any issues with uh, political correctness with the crowds? Or the woke crowds and anything like that. I mean, I don't. I, I don't you feel know, like you're. I, I find the opposite. Honestly, mm. it's like I. I don't mind. I mean, of course, everyone's looking to to be righteous. Mm. And this is not a left thing or a right thing. Everyone wants to go viral, and so being offended by something is the easiest way to try to get your likes and faves. Is mm. I saw this and I was upset about yeah. it, but I find it just as much people on the right as the left. You know. And I, I don't mind. Yeah, of course, there are times when people are just full of shit. There's a lot of people who are just plain full of shit. Do you ever get that during your show, though? But probably some every once in a while, not me. But it's like I adjust. I mean, I don't. I don't think they're wrong. I don't. Mm. You know, individual people are full of shit. But mm-hmm. I feel like if there's sort of a cultural trend line that mm-hmm. that is going in a certain direction, I don't. I'm not afraid of admitting that maybe you know. When I think of like things like racism and sexism and whatnot. 
it's in the water we drink. It's in the air that we breathe. Where it's not anybody's fault. It's like you know, people used to say retard all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I don't have to. That doesn't make me a terrible person that I used to say that. We all said it, but that doesn't mean that I have to f- like plant my flag and be like, I'm going to keep saying it. Mm, right, right, and anyone right. who tells me not to is somehow wrong, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you think of comedy in the 1920s is compared. I mean, it changes. It yeah. constantly evolves. Exactly. You know, and and a lot of people you, when they complain about the woke people or whatever, I, I I agree. A lot of it is very annoying. But I bet if you went back in history, back to like when the suffragettes were trying to get the women's vote or during the civil rights, I bet people would have felt the exact same way mm-hmm. about people fighting for like voting right. rights oh, yeah. and things. Like, oh my yeah. God, they're just, they won't shut up. They're so annoying. <laughs> it's just <laughs> totally, it's literally just human nature. It, I, yeah. It's weird experience because like getting older, ha- ha- you know, seeing this happen is kind of a thing of like, oh, I've been alive so long, I'm seeing things change. Yeah. And now it's weird to me mm. how things that were happening are were, are not accepted anymore. Not That don't even seem long ago. Like They're not. Well, I think that the internet has sped up the cycle. Oh, totally. Like, yeah, things yeah. used to evolve over the course of a generation. Now things evolve over the course of, like, three years. You know, things yeah. that were weird, things that were normal three years ago, people are like, oh, that's a little... And then I'll, I'll watch, like, just any old sitcom and, like... Oh, yeah. Thing, everything that happens in like the Fresh Prince is like, oh, you can't do that. The whole yeah. thing. Remember when sitcoms a big thing was just, and not even just sitcoms, but shows of like, there would be a girl and they would just kind of jokingly like just grab the girl, like Mash. Yeah, Hawkeye yeah. was always just grabbing a girl and kissing her because he was just like a, kind of a ladies man. <laughs> right, right. And the girl would always just kind of get into it, <laughs> and because um, he was such a great kisser, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's it's amazing watching it there. You're like, holy shit! You always bring up not even Mash, way more recent than that. You always bring up the Oscar kiss with Adrian Brody. I brought that up last time. I was saying Barry. that there, I was I was I looked that up specifically like mm-hmm. about a week before this year's Oscars. I was like, I mean, holy shit! I bet you bad. that hasn't aged well. No. I watched it myself. It it is bad. He just grabs her. She's not expecting, and it, she kind of like is, and she's laughing. And I but, think but that's because she's weird. nervous and like, yeah. what the hell's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she's not gonna be like, get away from me, you exactly. Oscar I, winner. I think so. So often men will will do that. They'll be like, hey, she didn't complain, or she laughed, or she was laughing. It's like, yeah, because there's a societal awkwardness <laughs> to not wanting to upset the herd, not make a scene. Mm. You know, it's when. She's she's a black woman at the Oscars. Yeah, like you're now putting her in a position where she either has to, and, and again, there's like a lot of sexual abuse people that the thing, sexual abuse people, yeah, people just, who have suffered sexual abuse. That's the name of this podcast. Even, <laughs> it's not even just that it happened. Mm. It's it's them hating themselves for how they either reacted or mm-hmm. didn't react to it after yeah. the fact. It's like you, you know, not that what Adrian Brody does is the same thing as like molesting a child or whatever, but it's like mm. now you're putting uh, Halle Berry in a situation where it's like my choices are to just laugh it off and accept it, even though it was totally inappropriate and not cool, or to be that woman who's making a big fucking deal about it. Like you've yeah. now dropped this into my lap yeah. where mm-hmm. I'm fucked either way. Um, well, in the, the television, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And the other thing is like I understand, you know, in the moment, of course you're. Get, you know, I don't even know if you're making a conscious choice to like laugh it off. You're just kind of nervous and yeah, like, yeah. Yes. But even if she had brought it up a week later, people would have been like, "What are you doing? What are you talking about?" Well, that's like so it weird. wasn't even like a weird. Well, that's what's so weird is the reaction. And you're right about this. You brought this up in the last episode or whatever. The reaction in the crowd is like an immediate like, "Oh, he's like, the man. yeah, go for yeah, it." Yeah. And the, like, I think what makes it, what makes it creepier is he goes. um... I bet you didn't, they didn't tell you that was in the gift bag. <laughs> and he says oh, it like that. Oh, that's horrible. And then they show her, and she's kind of wiping her mouth, like almost yeah. that it was like that she's covered. And so it's even like, to and that was like. To Christian's point, it's probably better that our reaction in 2020 wouldn't be that. Yeah. The, you know, the trend, the general trend, sure, the cancel people are probably not, like, I think everyone should be allowed to try and say or be funny. But we like, should be able to try to, to kiss try. women without <laughs> asking for no. I mean, it's a different thing when it's action. No, like you're that, right. It's it's annoying, but sure. the general trend line yes. drags you in the right direction. I agree I with think. that. Yeah. But and you're and you're a little political. I mean, I know. Remember, you watch you are you yes. were on MSNBC, and um, I mean, I'd like to be more. Uh, it just it doesn't fly. Yeah, you it, don't do Trump jokes on. Well, I do on stage. I do, yeah. but I can't do them everywhere. It's frustrating. Mm. Were you always like that early on? No. No, it's definitely something when as I get it, older. When did it uh, shift? Probably when I started doing Keith Olbermann. That's kind of oh, when I started. Okay. Uh, I mean, I was on Best Week Ever. Right. Um, it was and a huge show. Yeah. That was, and then I got 
every Keith Olbermann at the end of his show, he would bring people on every once in a while to do sort of the lighter side, mm. like pop oh, culture. Yeah. And so I went on Keith Olbermann a few times doing that, but then he started letting me kind of actually talk about politics, like right, lighter right. side of politics, but mm-hmm. still politics. Um, and then I think that's probably when I got got super engaged about that kind of were thing. You on, were you on Best Week ever from the beginning of it? Yes, I was on the very first episode. I was actually, um, I what the, the way that went down is in 2001, I won a car on a game show. What? Uh, called really? VH1's name that video because I was like a music, oh, wow. I was like a music um, obsessive and a, a music video obsessive, and I and and uh, and even though I was just like an open micer at the time, it was like before premium blend and all that. I kind of got a little bit of a reputation among the people at VH1 because of that. Oh, this guy knows like trivia, right? Oh. Right. And so I was brought in with some other people to do an internal pilot, which for people who don't know what that means that means like when they'll make a pilot of a show that never is on the air. It's just for sort of the decision makers to watch uh, of a show called I Love the Eighties, um, mm-hmm. and they had just a bunch of nobodies you know, come in and basically do what became I Love the 80s. And when they picked up that show, they were like, perfect, now let's replace all these open my comics with like third tier celebrities. Right, right. right. And so when they, but when they started Best Week Ever a year or two later, whenever it was, they remembered me from that and they kind of went into Best Week Ever being like, we want to create, rather than trying to get like sports center anchors and random Mm. celebrities, like let's find a a core group of like young comics and, mm. and sets. Yeah, because I that I thought was, that was great yeah. for comics. I mean, they oh, yeah. they would show it that was. show like oh god, yeah. I mean, fifty times I, a day. It, I will say it kills me though that it didn't exist when like Twitter and social media took yeah. off yeah, yeah. because man, what guy code and girl code mm-hmm. did for like the next class yeah. of yeah. comedians, yeah. Yep. like we missed out on all of that. Like there was no way. I mean, I got a lot of road work out of it and I got a lot of notoriety and it was great for a number of reasons, but. I was not able to sort of hold on to that audience oh, the way that a lot of the next class yeah. of VH1 oh, yeah. and MTV2 people yeah, were able you to. You see those guys have like millions of followers. Well, yeah, but yeah, the clippable content of like that style of show is perfect right. for social media and sharing and, and you're not burning material. You're just talking about topical stuff. Yeah. It's perfect. I, yeah. Re- I remember. So I was doing a bunch of those talking head shows before that, like um, just random VH1 talking head shows. And then I did one on like True TV. (laughs) No, I did one on True TV later after. So I got on Best Week Ever, but it was like at the way end of it. Uh So like a lot of people on it were already very established. So I was the, the last guy in and like... I think the first three episodes, I just wasn't in it. So like, yeah. I stopped. Well, that was the tell- thing is that you would that that would happen to you. It, 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 depending, but not on, to like, you. You would because you, you were there from you were one of the big guys I had to compete with. Well, there were there it seemed were like you people, came up with your own stuff maybe a little bit. Well, they they would always give you like a packet of like they would tell you ahead of time like here's the topics we're going to talk about and here's some sort of joke angles mm. like and then. You would write your jokes, and sometimes they would flat out give you jokes. And that was the only time good, I got on. They'd oh, be like, yeah. they'd be like, I because I need write someone the, to say X. Yeah, like, I, like it was oh, great. Was I mean, it? I don't mind writing, but it was a lot of writing. Yeah, it was. It and was a like, lot of and I would do, do all these jokes, and then they'd be like, "Why don't you just say this?" <laughs> yeah, and they didn't do it meanly, but did you have this experience like? It, it a lot of it depended on who was interviewing you because yep. there were a few people so that would like. You know they they're not allowed to laugh, but they would they would show you that they were trying not to laugh, and then there'd be just dead stone faced. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. There there were people who like if you walked in and they were the producer that you had to work with that day, you're like, oh, I'm fucked this week because yeah. this person's gonna give me nothing, and they're not gonna like. Whereas other other producers would be like, oh, hey, what if you spun it this way? Like you kind of like right. banter with them, and um, they would make you feel more comfortable. There right. was one guy I remember he'd go. I, you know, it's hard because you're just in a room with like this. You know, the crew guys are just bored. They yeah. don't want to be. They've been there all week. And the, this guy, every time I do a joke, he'd go, um, "Is that it? Is that the end of it?" Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would always and I'd be try like, to. Yeah, inc- that's it. I would always try to include a joke or two that I knew wouldn't get on the air, but that would mm. just get like the the camera dude's attention. Oh, that's fine. Just Smart. Um, oh, that's good. And yeah. also, my theory was is that if I do a couple of jokes that are just way over the line. 
then they won't cut the jokes that I really like. Oh. Makes them seem less. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. But, uh, unfortunately, one of them actually made it onto the show, oh, and geez. I was kind of embarrassed by it. There was a, there was a thing that happened where were you were praising Adrian Brody? <laughs> no, <laughs> the Halle Berry. Uh, that was when it was good before it was uh, social media because he would have. Yeah, yeah, probably I would have been embarrassed by it. But um, there was a thing where Michael Clark Duncan had seen Ben Affleck's penis when they were filming Daredevil, okay. and it sort of implied that Ben Affleck had a small penis. <laughs> and I, and I said, uh, I said something like, you know, that's just not cool. Like, you would never see Annette Benning talk about Calista Flockhart's big floppy vagina <laughs> or something like that. You know, it's funny. I, I think I remember that. Oh. I think I remember seeing. Oh that. yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's clearly made a mark. <laughs> um, but what I found out later, in because I started to get frustrated, like anybody, you know. It's there's certain people, and I'm sure I was one of them for a while. Where it's like this guy again. Like, why are they using ten of his jokes? Those jokes aren't that great. I've made the same joke. Why didn't they use my mm-hmm. version instead mm-hmm. of his when they already have all these jokes? And the reason why though is pure fucking laziness. Yeah, is that a lot of times a lot of these producers like we're on deadline. We could load Tom's tape, but we already have Finnegan's loaded. So yeah. let's just use that. Yeah, yeah. and I, I didn't. That's really how you got screwed out. Screwed well, up. I think yeah. what happened. What I think what it was, and this happens a lot. There, there were a lot of producers who would do segments, and I think there were like two or three that there was one that really liked me. I think that's why I stayed on it. But then the other ones, I think, like didn't like me. It kind of depended on what how they felt about you. You know what it's I mean? True. Yeah, it's very very true. So I, I kind of it was one of those things. It started out like I was like, wow. The, first of all, I remember auditioning and being so nervous. And being like, and thinking I was just awful, and like being like, there's no way I'm gonna get this. And then I got on it. Um, Like, I was doing the audition. I remember at one point this guy going, um, just relax, just relax. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that doesn't install. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, that's not good. That's gonna have the opposite effect of what (laughs) you're going for. (laughs) So um, I was kind of, I think one of the producers liked me a lot. And Mm. uh, that's, but I was very happy. And then I finally started to get on it, and then they changed the format. I don't know what what your experience was with that, with Paul F. Tompkins became the host. Well, yeah. And how is the show not on it? Well, because, but because because Twitter exists, all the jokes are already made. Uh, I, I really think that's what it is. Right. People are doing it. They're filming themselves front facing cameras. Like they're they're already it's already done. I mean, yeah, immediately. Around. You yeah. can't immediately. you can't it's wait till like it's because yeah. it used to be really like yeah is. like oh here's a joke from somebody that happened Monday. That's, yeah, you, people not, forgot about that. Things are by done by Friday. Wednesday now. Yeah. That's yeah. probably and at the same time it kind of went off the air is when social media was exploding. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean I, I was really pissed about the whole change in format thing because uh, what happened is. Best Week Ever was a thing. And then E! came out. I auditioned for what the show that became The Soup. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't called. It was called the What Are Awards, I think was the original title of it. It mm. was basically just Best Week Ever, but with one host. And it became a massive, it became a success in a way that Best Week Ever couldn't because The Soup had one host. And they could send, hey, it's Joel McHale from The Soup. And we can put him on late night shows. We can put him out. Whereas, like, Best Week Ever, it's like there's 50 different people. Mm-hmm. Like, And so VH1 kind of saw that and were like, that sucks. They took our thing and made it better. And so we need to do that. We need to make it a one-person show. Uh, and I remember when the writers were changing the format, they tried to pitch it in a way that was like, really got under my skin, especially somebody who I considered a friend. Uh, Say their was, name. No. Because no, no, no. <laughs> it's not her fault. She had a job yeah. like anybody else. But yeah. she was like, hey, great news. Uh, uh, we're starting. Uh, we're going to reboot the show, and it's going to be different. And it's like, uh, instead of being like a partner at the law firm, you're going to work in the mailroom. How does that sound? <laughs> and and like, Because they still wanted us to be involved, but just like showing up for 30 seconds a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be, you know, it's like, well, no, we it can't. And at the time, I pretty much run my course on it because I actually, I hated all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I hate pop culture and Lindsay Lohan. and, and Oh, really? I hated it. Oh, I always wow. hated it. That's you funny. can get so, bored of talking about that over and over again. Yeah, I just felt like I'd, I'd, I was ready to not do that How anymore. many years were you, did you do it? I mean, from the beginning until then, so that whole... They changed it around 2009, 2010? Yeah, so I guess about five or six years mm. is... Because I, I remember I, I came in, and ma- it might have been the same woman who was saying <laughs> it, pitching it to me. I mean, I'd been on it, like, six months, but I wasn't on it every week, and I was barely on it, and... Um, I had heard that they were changing formats, and she was like, and she did this. She said, oh, great news! It's going to be this thing, but I bet it it's, it's yeah. going to be like different. We're like, we're, let's cut to Tom McCaffrey in the field, and I, I remember being like, "There's no way I'm on the show." <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. well, and and it's and, and they, but they kind of fucked themselves because it's like, 
I love like Paul is like one of my five favorite comics ever. Period. Yeah, yeah, none. I loved him. Like, yeah. he's, and he's super he's, nice. Like meeting him on that show. Yeah, was like a big deal he, to me. he's just absolutely brilliant. But that wasn't gonna work. No, because he's like, there's a lot of people that watch that show that really were just watching it because they wanted to see the the dumb stuff we were making fun of. Yeah. They really didn't want the original humor. Was like, yeah, that's fine and all. But we really just kind of want to know about what happened on the simple life. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. um, and so they didn't really want like a like a really wry artistic take on it. That's so there are certain people like Paul Shear was really good on that show. No, a lot of big because, people came out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but he was specifically yeah. well well suited for that show because he really did love all that stuff. Yeah. like mm-hmm. he, you know, because like Paul hates it. <laughs> so do I. Like you know, and I think that you needed to have somebody if you were going to do that one host thing. You need to have somebody who actually kind of liked that stuff. Oh, interesting. Uh, instead of sort of turning a jaundiced eye to all of it. <laughs> Did you jump in more into stand up after that show was over? I mean, I was doing stand up the whole yeah. time, but I when but you I did was some specials probably shooting my first special when that was all going down, and so I kind of thought I was like, well, fuck it, I'm moving on anyway, and you know. Yeah, I had that experience because I I was on a True TV Talking Head show that went on after that. And um, I I had done Best Week Ever. Because Best Week Ever, I, when I started doing it, people were at VH1 were like, oh, that's the best one. That's, like, the big one. Yeah, and huh. so, like, the true TV one, I was always like, oh, this one's so beneath me. It's so <laughs> shitty. Yeah, I had that same feeling. I wasn't even on those, but I always felt like, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and like, knock off. The true TV kind of came the comedy network after now. I know. Yeah, and so they, that. like, stopped calling me. And I remember being like, I'm glad. I don't even like that shit. And then, like, four months went by, and I was like, I wonder if I should contact <laughs> Like, I'll put on a pig nose now. Because I remember, like, one of the first, I had done Best Week Ever, and they were like, will you put on a pig nose for the skin? I was like, no. Then they were like, and it was like my first day. You know, the hell balls in. I was like, no, I just don't want to do that. And I almost think they maybe liked that, that I was like, I had, like, integrity or something. But if I had integrity, it's I'm It's called I, negging. I <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so I want to talk about, so... Oh, well, actually, can I bring? Didn't you yeah, also yeah. had some? Spe- you had a special on Netflix, actually. I I had a special. I I had a special on Netflix when people were still making fun of the idea of having specials right. on Netflix. But oh, it, like, what year was that? It would it would have been that 2014, I think it came out. Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. But it was like people were doing it, but it was kind of like what? Yeah. Yep. You know, people were kind of mocking it in a way. Did you get twenty million dollars for it? I did. <laughs> yeah. No, but then you know, and honestly, what really sucks is that. Netflix wasn't producing them themselves at that point. It was uh, New Wave, it was an outside production company. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so when Comedy Central, I mean, sorry, when Netflix rather started producing the specials themselves, they got rid of all the ones that oh, weren't under the Netflix yeah. banner, except mm. for the ones that are like hugely popular. Okay. And so I didn't even know what happened until somebody, because I used to be like, oh, this guy's got a special on Netflix. And then I got an email from somebody being like, I went on Netflix and your special isn't there. And it's just gone. I mean, you really? can you can rent it on like Amazon or whatever, but it's pay four bucks. But who's going to do that now? Yeah, well, it you know? was New Wave the same thing as Comedy Dynamics. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go, go ahead. Or yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. Just curious. I mean, I know that there's like technically legal issues, but is there any way you can? Do you have any ownership of that material, like that, I don't that those know. videos? I, I should probably look into it. I'm not what you I'm say. I'm a lawyer. Good so. at being. <laughs> yeah, he actually yeah, is. Yeah. I, I'm not good with career stuff, but um, I I don't know. Well, I know um, that you know Bert, uh, Bert Kreischer. Just it like basically clipped his Showtime special where he told that machine story and put it on Facebook, even though they told him you can't do that. And then it like got millions of views, and he, he kind of like blew up from that. Well, like he was already big, but still, like I think yeah, that I, it's I'm, interesting. I, I have that no idea how to build a career. That you, you, I seriously <laughs> don't. I have, I'm completely, <laughs> I'm completely fucked because I spent my whole life being above caring about the business side of things <laughs> and thinking that I was like, oh, that's I'm just not that kind of guy, mm-hmm. and I'm eating shit for it every day. No, I, I had the same thing. I remember I was like, I don't, I'm not gonna work. And I think it was a very like you know Janine Garofalo esque attitude. Like that was yeah, one thing when a... I would when I would watch her or before I did comedy, I was I was always like, oh, that's how to be famous. Just like to not want it. Just yeah. look like yeah. you don't even want to be there. Well, and also like, like to me, I mean, it's a very Gen X thing, you know. Totally. Yeah, it is very Gen X. Very much. And the the idea, it's so funny to me. You know, whatever. Every generation is a reaction to the generation that precedes it. And but the whole idea, like, if you had told me 
in in when I was twenty three years old that people were going to start calling themselves brands <laughs> in, in a way that wasn't so like humiliating, yeah. right? Because that's like that's ugh. I mean, and, and granted, we all were secretly doing that, but we mm. acted like we weren't. You know, I mean, right, um, right. Oh, it's my voice. We'd, we'd call it we'd call it you my voice instead voice. of my brand. Yeah. Um, but it's like. Yeah, so the the idea of actively trying to build a career was disgusting to me on some level. Mm-hmm. Like it was like what a sellout would do. Yeah, and, and I, it's completely foolish on my part. No, and I, <laughs> I I read an article actually recently about how Gen X that that encapsulated the the attitude of Gen Xers because yeah. it was a very like the attitude of. Um, the child and the family who hadn't gotten a lot of attention. So you yeah. kind of developed a lot of like an aloofness. It's like, I don't give a shit. Like, I mean, it's I don't not, care. it's not a coincidence that, you know, their, their Nirvana album yeah. is called Nevermind. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's right. I mean, it's, it's, that's summed up. I mean, I don't believe, I don't believe that any one album sums up a generation by any means, but, but the idea of like, Nevermind is, it's not even just that I don't care. It's I used to care, but now I don't anymore. So fuck off. You know, right. that, that right. to me never is like mind. what never yeah. mind means. Like, eh, forget it. And I do know? think that true TV story, I think, like encapsulates in a very short time what happened to me later, where I was like, I don't give a shit. And then yeah, three months yeah. later, I was like, well, um, I need money. <laughs> but Generation uh, Y or whatever, millennials and gen- what's Generation Z now, like they yeah. don't feel any embarrassment in promoting themselves on social media. And they, and they shouldn't. Mm. I mean, and I, I've mm. read critiques from younger people of attitudes like mine which are are dead on that it's like it's easy to be like fuck the system when there right. is a system yeah. like when there is a path to success like you know when i was when i was above it all in the 90s i could get temp jobs if i wanted to go if i wanted to get temp work it was available to me do you know what i mean like it's just yeah. Whereas now it's like there's no money out there. Like if you like, oh, I want to work <laughs> at an office for two weeks and then never again. Yeah, like you, right. <laughs> you, could, you can't do yeah. that now. Yeah, you better get a brand for yourself <laughs> yeah. for real. I mean, um, I saw yeah. this is one thing I just want to make sure we talk about. So you were on. So I saw you at a wedding. Like I think this was like 2010. Brian, okay, you have to go. Um, Brian Olson's wedding. Yeah, and I don't was was that so w- when was the um, are are we there yet, Joe? Was that, were that you, you were on that? I think one I saw you at the wedding. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I would say it was around between 2013 and 2016, or 2012 and 2015. Uh, is a couple over the course of a couple of years. And that was on TBS. It was, and then it would it would sign, and then it was syndicated. And so Terry Crews, right? Yeah, Terry. Because yeah. we shot a hundred of them. He seems like he's wow. a good dude. I feel like Terry Crews. <laughs> no, no, he's totally good. Dude. Uh, I will say he's a very good dude, yeah. uh, and you know he wasn't as famous then. Mm. Uh, he's the only person I've ever met who refers themselves as being blessed. Who I truly believe that he believes that, yeah, I, and it's not just a, a way of, of bragging without bragging. Because mm-hmm. most people, when they say they're blessed, like oh, I'm just blessed, like they want to put it on God because really they just want to brag. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas he, he's a guy who just really felt like, oh my God, I. You know, because he was an NFL player, yeah, and and he just had that work ethic. That dude, he had seven kids, I think yeah. seven, and he would really? wake up every day at like four fifteen in the morning, work out That's for like an hour and a half or whatever, then go work. He was in almost every ep- every scene of every episode of that show, and he would work until like ten o'clock, and he would go home and s- spend some time with his kids, go to bed, and do it all over again every fucking day. I've never seen anybody work as hard as that guy. What was wow. the process of ge- of getting? Because you were like, were you the like the kind of the white guy? On I was, the show? yeah, I was, I was the the white guy. I was the best friend like, dude it's the did role you do research for that role or? well i mean it's it's not a coincidence did you watch that, the Chappelle show skit to, uh, do you know research? what's funny is that ali Leroy, the guy who created it uh he he had never seen the Chappelle show sketch which is wow. i still half don't believe but he he said that he was going through the comedy central comedian uh archive hmm. just looking for comics that he thought would you know that he could bring into right, right. audition and and he found me that way and he said wow, he never a... saw Chappelle show, which oh, is bizarre. Yeah, wow. kind of. Yeah, that sounds. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it, but, but he's he, he's he stuck he to the story. Uh, so what? And did you? Um, you obvi- uh, Ice Cube produced that, right? Yeah. So did you? He, he was on the show. Sometimes. He was. Well, not every episode. He was on. If we shot a hundred, he was probably on twenty-five to thirty. And he didn't play the character though. He played in the movie. No, he played a different. Yeah. He so played did a you? What, did you interact with? Ice? Was that like surreal? <laughs> like, it was very surreal. I mean, we did. You know, we're around the same age, and I remember Ice Cube was just such a well, huge you were, icon. You were a hip hop dude. Yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't, and okay. so I mean, I will say, 
he he's a very nice guy, but in a Venn diagram of our interests, <laughs> uh, you know, the, there's there was one time I remember where you know we're on set and they had to like a light was malfunctioning or something, and so we just had to sit there for like an hour and ten minutes. But they kept thinking that they was almost fixed, so it's not like hey, go back to your your dressing room and we'll call you when we're ready. It's like no, just give us give us another minute, guys. And that went on for like over an hour, and so we were just sitting there. And you know, there's just only so many things I know about the Raiders. <laughs> you, know, like, like, <laughs> you know, like we talked basketball a little bit because I'm a basketball fan. But you know, and I I don't ever got the feeling that he particularly liked me, not disliked me, yeah. but just he just didn't right. really have much in common. You know? Yeah, yeah. Alfonso Ribeiro, I definitely feel like did not like me. He directed really? like 30 episodes. Really? I definitely got the vibe that he didn't like me. Well, that is Carlton for people who don't like, know. Uh, well, funny. I remember he got really mad yeah. at me once because I wasn't sexually aggressive enough with Paulina Poritzkova. What? <laughs> That's such a weird sentence to say. <laughs> I know. Jesus. You know, where where I know you're from? not going to have time to tell that story. I know. I know. Okay, do you, you have to go, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah thanks, Finnegan. man. You'll just that have was, to wonder. That was great. <laughs> You'll have to come back. Would you come back? Absolutely. I have like a million other things I want to ask you. Oh, yeah. We, kinda, we, spent, we spent way too much time talking about just nonsense, like... and then I didn't even get to Paulina Portscope. <laughs> yeah. Um, before you, so there was a time you were like almost hooking up with Paulina Portscope. No, isn't an episode yeah, where she, she was oh, playing. Oh, like, she was married. My so like Mrs. Face? Robinson. She was like my uh-huh. older girlfriend, and I didn't like maul her. <laughs> Yeah. to his satisfaction he was like I'd be all over and I was like yeah I know but I just I don't know her she's a married woman and and she kind of took it personally like she's like oh it's because I'm old I'm like no it's oh jeez was that the most surreal moment of your life it, it was that, definitely that, up there that um, Carlton is yelling at you for not <laughs> for being not, aggressive for not, with Paulina yeah for not groping offended. the girl from the drive video <laughs> hilarious did you have anything quickly that you wanted to yeah do you want to promote uh, plug anything uh, yeah I mean uh, my latest album is called 60% Choking you can hear it where you hear music and uh, comedy and all that jazz. Uh, I have a couple of albums that you can <laughs> pay money now to rent on uh, Amazon and, and uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are in or around New York City, uh, please come to QED Astoria. That's, yes. uh, it's a performance space that my wife owns in Astoria, Queens, QEDAstoria.com. Oh, and if you're on Twitter, I'm at Christ Finnegan. Nice. Boom. Okay. Thank you. That was great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming by. And, yeah. Uh, thanks, dudes. That's the end of this yeah. episode. We will see you next time. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye.